0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Joining us tonight, we have Nick Face coming off the bench from Reading, Mass, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Nick, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Much more relaxed
1: after a really nice vacation. I just got back today from Myrtle Beach, Terry's Towns, <laughs> Terry's Town. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, they can find me at Face the Facts
0: fifteen on Twitter. Excellent. And Cody, how are you doing? Where can the fans find you? Charlie, I'm doing all right. Probably not as good
2: as we uh, normally have been on the Sunday night show. Um, unfortunately, the Sox were unable to pull it out this weekend. Um, the fans can find me and all of my bad takes and opinions that are my own on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. How are you doing tonight, Charlie?
0: I'm doing okay. I found out that Twitter is no longer Twitter, but just X. I found that out the hard way. I was trying to figure out why I kept on getting notifications from X today, and I felt pretty old not knowing the right a- way. Very good correction. I it's still it, it's in my brain as as Twitter. It's but yes, forever going to be It's
1: going to take a while for everybody to get used to this.
0: Yeah. Bye. So now I'm, I'll X you later. I don't. It sounds so bad. It sounds so dumb. But honestly, as as you know, you talked about this wasn't as nice as one of our prior series. I'm really not too discouraged about it. You know, we flip flop three two scores one one lost one. Then we lost obviously the uh, rubber match. Four to three. It was close in all three games, all one run games, and a lot to unpack here. A lot of good things, a couple of sad things, a couple of head scratchers. So, why don't you take it away, Cody? Lead us off with your dud for this series. Yeah. A lot to unpack, right? You know,
2: as you mentioned, Charlie, great lead-in. A lot of close games, um, and honestly, in my opinion, they really shouldn't have been. There were many different opportunities that the Giants had to kind of blow the game open that they just didn't take. So, you know, credit to our p- our pitching for kind of keeping us in the mix, and you know, it's it's on the offense for kind of not picking up this series, in my opinion. And that kind of leads me to my to my dud. He's a guy that's been incredible for us this entire season. A guy that's definitely exceeded expectations. Uh, the dud for me is Masataka Yoshida. Um, you know, came off uh, the bench, got a huge walk, I believe it was in, in Game Two, um, and ended up tying or scoring one of the the two runs on Turner's single. Uh, but outside of that, he went 0 for nine with a whole bunch of strikeouts. You know, um, this is a guy that's you know known for putting bat to ball contact and and seeing that strikeout number uh kind of creep up I think it was three strikeouts today and five appearances um was really kind of shocking and startling um you know for whatever reason when the offense goes out to the west coast they seem to to be a little bit quiet and I think that was indicative uh with with Yoshida's performance um you know credit I guess to the Giants pitching for keeping them off balance and 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 you know, finding, I guess, holes in, in his swing or, or whatnot. But, uh, for me, that was definitely the dud of the series.
0: And Nick,
1: I don't know if any of you got a chance to hear Alex Cora. I think it was post game Saturday talked about when Masataki Yoshida is not going right. He sees a rollover, uh, from his swing where he's chopping the ball at the ground. He was talking and he was implying that he's going to give Yoshida a few days off to get himself right. I guess that's what we saw this past weekend here from his series with the Giants is his swing when he's going with the pitch. You're seeing a lot of chopping action going on. Kind of like he's, you know, chopping wood. They got to get him in the cage. They got to get him some more reps to get him working through whatever he's working through with his swing. Am I concerned about it? Maybe a little bit just because of where the team is at right now. I think that this is a big series, especially going to Seattle. You know, that's home of where Ichiro Suzuki was, where, of course, Yoshida was a big, huge fan of Ichiro and everything. So I'm sure that this series was circled on the calendar for him. And he wants to make a good impression. The series that I think he's going to have is probably going to be exactly how he was with the Giants because I don't see them taking him out of the lineup because they so desperately need that offensive spark as best as they can to get this offense right. But it's kind of interesting, though, with Yoshida. It's when everything is going right with the offense for the most part, that's when the team is really clicking. And when he's not at his rightful pace that he's been on most of this season – That's when things don't tend to go right with all the offense. He lengthens their lineup out a little bit and makes everybody better as a player. So they got to figure this out quickly. Uh,
0: Time's a ticking. It's interesting with, with Masataki Oshita because he started off the month with seven straight multi-hit games, seven and raises batting average from just over 300 to almost 320 was leading the American league in hitting at one point. So, You go from someone who consistently is getting two hits, mostly singles, a couple of extra base hits, a double here or there, one home run, no complaints. Had a big game against Chicago, huge game with six RBIs, had a home run, was real pretty, just scooped it right in the net, and then became quiet. And all of the damage that he was doing was in one game of the series, New York series against the Mets. 0 for 3, 0 for 5, 3 for 4. Atlanta, 0 for 4, 3 for 4. And then dead quiet here, 0 for 4, 0 for 5. So he's now in a slide where he's 6 for 26. And the reason why it's so noticeable, at least for him, is because he was consistently getting on base two, three times a game. The strikeout numbers are still not really there. Even after a really rough day, rough series, before today's action for the month of July, he's still hitting three fifty-five. So I still want to say that this is an outlier. I'm not really too concerned with Masa. Uh, the guy can bang, and if he's on it, he's he's legit on it. So I I think I really just want to say this is just a little bit of an outlier. Call me just you know generously optimistic. I'm I'm just not concerned about Masataka Yoshida. Uh, Cody.
2: Yeah, and, you know, to put a feather in in the cap of that argument, right, reasons to not be concerned is we've kind of seen this pattern before. You know, when he first came over to the Red Sox, beginning of the season, had a great game, right? We're like, oh, man, this guy, you know, landed here and immediately is contributing and then did hit a little bit of a slump, right? Started to see more of those rollovers to second, chopping at the ball, hit a little bit of a slump, but that was adjusting to, you know, the pitching of the major leagues, and you know he was obviously able to bounce back from that and and go on this tear that he's been on. So you know there is I guess evidence for us to look towards to see him make those adjustments, uh, add you know a different swing to his repertoire to to be able to catch up to the adjustments that Major League Baseball is making to him. So I'm confident.
0: Yeah, you know um, t- to add to that point, you know we we saw his batting average sink below 200 and and. You know, I, I had to be supportive of at least one move over the offseason because I feel like if we were negative about Yoshida, this was just going to be this is gonna be done. The year was going to be done. It was going to be over in my mind if I wasn't positive about this young man uh, making a significant change. But, you know, to your point, Cody, struggled in the month of April, just barely hitting over 250. At one point, was hitting under 200, just over 150, and then started turning it on. Multiple, mul- like, multi-hit games, then in the month of May, over 350, figured it out. A little bit of regression in June, then absolutely catching fire on the last day of June going into July has just been a killer. didn't matter what team it was. But now we saw it as an everyday thing to a once a series thing, which is okay if other people are doing work in the other two games. But when everybody goes silent, it's very, very noticeable. So... When, when Duvall is struggling, for example, and everyone else is doing well, it's not noticeable. We can't really see it. It's there, but it's not talked about. When everyone's struggling and Duvall's striking out a lot, yeah, it's it's really visible. It's obvious because you're seeing nothing work and nothing click. But uh, I think we, we both agree we're aligned that it's just a, a little blip. He'll right the ship. He'll get back on board. Um, Nick. Nick. Who was your dud for the series?
1: Kind of pains me to put this guy on the dud list, but after such a great comeback to get that game to a tie last night, Kenley Jansen needs to definitely be on the dud list here. And I'm not overly concerned about it, but I do think that it's all about mechanics and location with him. And that pitch that he threw last night was just oh it it, it scream get out of the park that's something that they just can't they can't have i'm very grateful that we have a closer we have one of the best ones that's been in baseball for quite some time he'll probably be a hall of famer and everything but there's definitely some work that needs to get done to make sure mechanics and location are on point for kenley Jansen. I get nervous as well when he's out on the hill when he has a runner on base. I don't know if you guys do, but I just do with that funky windup and everything that he has with holding runners on. It hasn't been that much of a concern this season. I still get that nervous ticket me where, I, where it's like, if this guy gets a runner on, is he going to get wild? Is something going to happen where it's a wild pitch or going to get a big hit or something like that? We also saw Kenley work back-to-back. And that's something that I think Alex Cora hasn't been doing as much this season. I don't know if it's a big deal for Kenley. I know he's getting up there in age and everything, but if you want to uh, stay consistent and not rusty and everything, or don't not get overworked rather probably might not have been a good idea to throw him back to back in those games, but you know, we'll take Friday night's victory. That was there. That was great. But that one last night that left a real sour taste in my mouth.
0: Cody.
2: You look at a lot of guys in the MLB, great setup guys, you know, your seventh inning guys, your eighth inning guys, and they just can't seem to cut it in the ninth inning, right? Like your Dylan Batances is, you know, Bard had a little bit of a great setup guy, but, you know, for whatever reason in the ninth just wasn't, wasn't the same pitcher. And I think Kenley Jansen is the inverse of that. You know, when he's not in a safe situation, Maybe his heart rate isn't high enough. Maybe he isn't as focused or as locked in because I don't have the statistics in front of me. I, I saw something earlier um, where he's just abysmal in non-safe situations. Um, you know, yes, that pitch was a meatball. That pitch absolutely, as you know, Nick had mentioned, <laughs> was up and in on a guy that likes to pull the hands inside. And, you know, he had every opportunity to end the game and send this home, and that's that's what he did. Um it's, you know, a one run blip. Obviously it cost us the game, which is unfortunate, especially right after we tied it, you know, after being silent all day. Wash it out, flush it. He's been so good for us all year. He has been a revelation as as the closer, something that we haven't had for a couple of years. I'm okay moving past it. Now, if this becomes a trend and he starts to look shaky in in safe situations, you know, I'll be first to say, Hey, what's going on here? We need to look into this.
0: So I, I was a huge supporter of Kenley coming over, uh, had the opportunity to see him um, in Los Angeles plenty, uh, is an elite closer, one of the best, to your point, Nick, I think has the opportunity to go to Cooperstown, maybe not first round, first ballot, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he definitely has a lot of the, the intangibles and he has a lot of the uh, things you need to check off. He's got a lot of that done month of April, I think only one time, maybe twice, did he pitch back-to-back. And if he pitched back-to-back, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't until May. It was mid-May. I was driving back across the country, and he blew back-to-back games against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and his ERA ballooned. It was under one, and then it jumped to like four or five or something ugly because he had allowed five runs in an inning of work or so. That should have been the note, that moment. Kenley Jensen does not pitch in back-to-back games. You just witnessed it. It doesn't work out. And St. Louis, not a good team. Not even close. And they absolutely owned that man. And granted, not his fault for some of it because he got called for bulks because uh, Wilson Contreras was taking a couple of, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use? Liberties, I would suppose, I think is the word I'm looking for. And it, it messed him up. It kind of wor- it messed with his flow. And then after that, wasn't pitching in back-to-back games. And then Cora in his infinite wisdom had him pitch twice in one day. Did not end well the second time. We've seen multiple occasions where if he pitches back-to-back or twice in one day, it doesn't work out. It didn't work out in April. It definitely didn't work out in May. June was no different. Why are we all of a sudden trying to do the same thing in July? I just don't get it. It's not a smart play. He was working the day before. You already know he has a heart condition. There's gotta be someone else that you can leverage and give that opportunity. See if there's an opportunity for a backup guy if Kenley can't go. That is way too much pressure on one guy to pitch the ninth inning every single time. I get it. As the closer, that is your job. That is your responsibility. But as the manager of the Boston Red Sox, you've got to know, okay, my guy right now cannot pitch back to back. It's not working well. And we saw it with one pitch, not pretty, pretty much in his wheelhouse. And as soon as I saw it hit the bat, I knew the game was over as I'm sure you two gents did as well. Brutal way to end the game. Brutal way to see the series become tied, but you know we at least knew he wasn't pitching the third game. My hope is okay, we got two more months. If Kenley pitches one night, he doesn't pitch the next night. We just we gotta we gotta know that that's just not gonna work. Anything else you guys want to add?
1: Right. it reminds me a lot like Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if you the 2008 kind of the heart attack closer in a way where you don't know what you're gonna get sometimes. And I agree 100% on Cody and your point too, Charlie, with the back to backs, especially if they're not in save situations. It's like deja vu from Craig Kimbrell days. Craig Kimbrell could not be trusted and could not throw in games that was not a save opportunity. So use that as an off day. Use that as a day to throw on the side if you got to get it, you know, something going with your arm and, and leave it to a Chris Martin or leave it to a John Schreiber or leave it to a Winkowski. I feel like we have the depth to not have to have that burden on Kenley to burn him out and then ruin him for a potential playoff run.
0: I mean, Martin didn't pitch that that second game. You're resting Chris Martin back-to-back days, but you're forcing Kenley to pitch. It's, it's tough because they threw about the same number of pitches. Uh, Chris Martin has a a better ERA right now this year because he hasn't allowed as many runs. Chris Martin is the guy I want pitching in the ninth inning because some of the other relievers that we could have in the ninth inning aren't available because now they're starters. Now they're long relievers. It really, really sucks. So we've kind of put ourselves in this situation and that's why I'm not really upset at Kenley. I can't blame him because of a bad situation that our ownership has unfortunately put our team in because we haven't invested in the rotation. We have bullpen game after bullpen game after bullpen game. This is late July. We have two more months of baseball. Are we really going to make it into October with bullpen games? We need to get another start if we're really going to play the the buying game. If we don't, it's really hard to take this team moving forward very seriously. Uh, Anything else either one of you gents want to add? All right, uh, my dud for the series was Yu Chang, albeit it was a limited sample size. I mean, I'm just, I'm not seeing anything from this guy. This, I mean, he's barely hitting 160. He does have some pop. He has five jacks on the year. He's had one or two this month, but he's good for like a single here, a single there. Otherwise. He's a strikeout. It's it's a black hole. And the Red Sox right now can't afford to have black holes in the lineup when, you know, the pitchers need to get a little bit of support. We already don't have a rotation. We're already depending on the bullpen to become starters and or long relievers to get to Martin and Jensen. Yu Chang is not going to be someone I can count on to get on base with one out, with two outs, with men in scoring position. I just don't. Actually, I don't think I know Yu Chang doesn't move the needle. He just doesn't, and it's not going to change all of a sudden. The guy is is a career two hundred hitter. He's been playing baseball for four years for four different clubs. The highest batting average he ever had was in Tampa Bay in twenty twenty two before joining the Red Sox, and it was two sixty in thirty six games. Very very limited sample size. Well, now he's played the same number of games, almost had the same number of at bats, and his batting average is a hundred points lower. I'm sorry, at age 27, if you're not getting it and it's not clicking, well, you got to move on, and we got to find somebody else. Cody.
2: Yeah, um, you know, maybe it's the bias of of watching kind of the black hole on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that shortstop was prior to Yu Chang. That you know, kind of allows me to view him through rosy lenses. Um, I agree. You know, his performance in in the San Francisco series was left a lot to be desired. Um, He is offensively not contributing as much as you would like to see, you know, especially after we've been spoiled uh, with the likes of, you know, Nomar and and Xander in the history of our fandom. Um, But I know when a ball goes short that it's going to make it to where it needs to make it and it's going to get there usually on time unless it's a tough play and, you know, we can split those hairs at another time. Um whole whole offense laid an egg, right? And he's absolutely part of it. You know, Nick was talking about, you know, when Sh- Yoshida's going well, excuse me, the whole lineup deepens or lengthens, um, becomes a lot better. And Yu Chang is just never a part of that conversation. When he does get those hits, when he does com- uh contribute offensively, it's always a surprise. It's never something that you're Anticipating or counting upon, so you know a, a, a totally fair dud. I'm just happy he plays solid defense, and you know I'll live with the the subpar offense as long as there's no defensive errors.
0: Nick
1: Yu Chang is a poor man's Alex Gonzalez. You guys remember him? Had a slick glove. Was I think they brought him in like 2006 or something for and uh, their their. I think it was their all, not their all-star break, but trade deadline. And he ended up just catching lightning in a bottle. The good news, Charlie, is that as far as all the reports have been heard, Trevor Story will be back. So thankfully, the Yu Chang error looks like it's going, going, gone. The big question here is what it's going to come down to. Is Yu Chang staying on this team? Is Pablo Reyes staying on this team? Or is Christian Arroyo staying on this team? All those three names that I just mentioned there should be bench guys. They should not be a factor into your everyday starting lineup for the most part. I mean, Yu Chang was there for a defensive glove. I think a part of the reason, like Cody said, is why some fans haven't looked at Yu Chang hard enough or been as harsh on judgment and everything is because Kike stunk up the joint. Just stunk it up you know, and all the errors and everything that were put together along with the bad hitting and all that kind of accumulated to having pretty much your own punching bag and getting him out of town in a way. Um, That's not taking away the likability of Kike. Don't get me wrong. Big cheerleader helped bring a lot of players here and everything and did a lot of good for this city. I want to make sure that that point is across because there's a lot of people out there that think that, oh, Kike was nothing but a bunch of you know, junk. That's not true. Kike did a lot of good for this city. So that point, I want to make sure that is stressed. It's the point that you lost Trevor Story, you lost Alberto Mondesi, you lost, uh, you know, some other guys from some other injuries. It was basically left with who are we going to put there? And you can blame ownership from it, you know, Xander and everything, that name could absolutely be in the equation here. But I think what you have right here is just a stopgap. And I am really hoping that this stopgap is done come Friday because all reports that we've heard is that uh, Trevor Story should be back. What are we going to see when he comes back? That's to be seen. Who knows what we're going to see. But hopefully it's a positive beginning for the return of Trevor Story.
0: I'm curious to see what happens with Story too. I'm totally with you. Um, Yu Chang and Christian Arroyo and Pablo Reyes, Reyes also – not doing great, but not nearly as bad as some of the other names that we were talking about. Uh, for, for all the the um, harping that people are going to continue to give Kike, Kike's three for nine before today's action. He was three for six. Had an absolute rocket rip double to left field a couple nights ago. He's right where he, I think, is supposed to be now. I will continue to cheer for him. No errors, no issues. Um, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, if you have – I know the errors were a bit of a concern because there were errors and poor hitting. Yu Chang's is an even worse hitter. Christian Arroyo is an absolute zero. Um, Kike is going to turn it around. I, I, we already know what Yu Chang and and Christian um, Arroyo are. So we're, we're going to continue to remain being positive for Trevor Story's return because at this point we absolutely need to be positive and hope that that bat adds a little bit of juice and almost rekindles and relights this fire under this team because the red sox have not been a bad team the past couple of weeks we've been doing a lot of great work uh and i'm i'm hopeful that trevor story's addition will be an added bonus to an offense that needs a little pick me up anything else you gents want to add uh perfect couple couple other dishonorable mentions i think we'd be uh Lying to ourselves, if we didn't bring up the fact that Rafi Devers went one for 12 in this series, only had a double pair of strikeouts, had an error that was costly, it did allow a run to score. Uh, Mauricio Llovera ended up facing his former team. He was the unfortunate loser of game three. He pitched in the second game, struck out a couple of guys. I don't know why they thought in their infinite wisdom, it would be great to have him come back out for another game. I'm just not a fan of having pitchers come out in back-to-back days unless your name is Mariano Rivera and you can handle it. It just doesn't work. And um, it's, in a, it's an unfortunate thing that we have to deal with. The reason why this is happening isn't because you know they said, oh, yeah, we can do it because we're limited, we have limited arms. We have too many bullpen games going on. Too many relievers are going too early in the game. And it's uh, preventing Alex Cora from being able to call a specific individual's number to kind of spell one of your seventh or eighth inning guys. So that's why it's happening. That's not, and, and that's why I'm electing not to be upset. And I'm electing to be very, I think, subjective with everything that I'm saying, Taking the emotional aspect out of it. The reason why we're losing those games is because we're having too many bullpen games too soon and too regularly. That's what's hurting us. Any other uh, duds you guys wanted to mention? Nope. All right. Uh,
1: Last one I was going to just mention Alex Verdugo. Yeah, he did get a couple hits, but it needs to start. He needs to start getting back to his true form. I'm just going to leave it at that with Verdugo.
0: Yeah, you know, a couple of hits in the series, nothing crazy better than what he had been doing. Verdugo had been struggling a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit. This is someone who has really been not getting anything on. A couple of home runs this month, but he's hitting just over 135. So it's a far cry from what he did the month before when he was hitting 316. So... Everyone's hoping that he can figure it out and get back on it. Um, We definitely miss Doogie. We love Verdugo. We want him to stay for a very long time. And uh, hopefully this uh, question about contract can get resolved rather quickly because uh, I don't want that to be something that he's thinking about moving forward. Uh, On to our studs. Happy times. Nick, lead us off with your studs, sir. Can we just build the Justin Turner statue now?
1: Just going to put it out there. This guy has been nothing but a breath of fresh air ever since he bit was, became to Boston. Thank you, Kike. See, we have two mentions for Kike tonight. Kike was definitely responsible for Justin Turner. But the other thing that if you think about it from this past offseason, there were a lot of criticism on J.D. Martinez versus Justin Turner. I'm sorry. I don't miss just, uh, J.D. Martinez at all. After what we've seen from what the consistency approach from Justin Turner is, we see it night in and night out. The guy is a pros pro. Can put him at DH; he's going to get the job done. Put him at third base; probably going to make a diving stab and save some sort of a play to to get you a win. First base, very adequate over there, and then you see him flash the leather over at second base, and that play he made on Friday night that was a game saver. That was. So cool to see that from Mr. 38-year-old out there. But, you know, the other thing that I like about Justin Turner is that he's embraced the city of Boston really well. He's got an awesome walk-up so- song when he comes up to the park with, that welcome-to-Boston so- song and everything. He's embraced being here. He wants to win. He wants to be a part of a winning tradition and ball club and everything. And the guy is just a competitor. I mean, he's the guy that I want up if there's a guy on base in scoring position, nine times out of ten, Justin Turner is going to do something productive at the plate to either move that runner along or impact the game in some meaningful way. You can't say that about a lot of other major league caliber players. The guy is just so popular among so many fans because of all the little things that he does right. That is a guy that I would... if. I would build my team around just a people that want to be here, that want to play the game the right way. That is Justin Turner, and he continues to just produce in the clutch. We saw it this weekend on Friday night. We saw it Saturday night. We saw it again today. You saw, you probably heard those boos that the Giant fans were giving him, and those are boos because the guy has just been such a great player. So I'm I'm a big fan of him. I I am so thankful he's here, and the best is still yet to come for GAT.
0: Mr. Cody.
2: Yeah, I think, what was it? Uh, he was, what, one for four today or maybe two for four? Even if he's not lighting up the box score, you know, three for four with two doubles and uh, another hit or whatnot, all of his hits are coming in key moments, right? You know, the the home runs or the single in the ninth inning to, to tie the game yesterday. And, you know, Nick, what else was there really to say at this point? The guy just delivers. And There is, you know, much like we talked about Kenley in a a safe situation, something to be said about knowing that a guy is going to be able to do something productive, right? Because there's nothing worse than watching, we'll use J.D. Martinez in this situation, a slider swing by and he just gives that half-ass lazy swing, swats the bat at it, and then goes and sits down and cries into his iPad. Turner's never going to do that, right? He's going to battle. He's going to grind. He's a dirt dog. And it has just been... I think indicative of the type of team that they have built in Boston this year, the one that never lays down, the one that's always going to fight. They're going to scrap, they're going to claw and they're going to do whatever they can to try to win games. And that's why we have so many comebacks. That's why we do so well after the sixth inning. And he's a big reason for that, you know, credit to Kike for, for getting, you know, Turner in, in, in Boston and, you know, credit to, to JT for embracing this
0: culture and, and contributing as well. So, J.D. has been actually, surprisingly enough, on fire in the National League. He, at one point, was top two or top three in the National League. I'm actually checking right now. He's actually third in the National League. He's already exceeded so many expectations of what they thought or what they are expecting. He's played in 50 less games has nine more home runs, 13 more RBIs. The walks are down. The strikeouts are sadly high. The batting average is down, on-base is down, but the sluggage and OPS are through the roof for him. Guy's got 25 knocks. Even after all that, it does not matter. I am 100% with both of you. You guys want to build a statue. I'll need a little help getting to the top because I'm not that tall to fix the top. That man has been an absolute legend for us this year, has been one of the few bright spots on a very, very consistent basis. The guy doesn't seem to do any wrong. He's a professional hitter. Uh, My girlfriend's dad has told was, I think the first person that told me that just like that. Fantastic. Just it doesn't matter the situation. He will find a way. He can hit it to all parts of the field in today's game, one for five, a two run single, excuse me two run home run. Um, and then yesterday had a big hit that brought the game, you know, tied this game up. this is this is what you want. You want your clutch moments. This, this is actually supposed to be Rafi's moment. instead it's now become Justin Turner's moment where Turner is the one who's getting infield singles knocking in two or clutch home runs knocking in guys this is this is incredible so we actually ended up going up in the third game unfortunately bad luck went against us turner has been absolutely on fire there is nothing you could possibly say wrong about him he could probably go 0 for 10 with 9 strikeouts in the next two games and i would still say not worried don't care turn the page next game please the guys the guys hitting 350 this month it's like it's like masa time all over again. He's like, oh, whatever you can do, I can do the same. And he's thirty nine. The guy is is not young, and he's he's turning the clock back, as Terry would say. I believe the term is the red headed red headed stepfather, if I'm not mistaken. So, little shout out to Terry, who's not with us today. But the guy can do no wrong. I'm super excited to see what else he's going to do for us this year. I think he actually might even eclipse. 100 RBIs he might actually be a 2100 guy if he can get everything to get lined up right you might see someone hit over 290 with 20 homers and 100 RBIs I I love it super excited for him uh anything else that you want to add Nick for for him
1: If you're gonna make a run at any point this season, it is going to be because of Justin Turner. You mark my words on that. If they get to the playoffs, it would be because Justin Turner does something to get this team into
0: uh, into the playoff run. hundred percent Absolutely. Cody, who is your stud for this series?
2: My stud for this series was Chris Martin. I know he gave up a, a home run in game one, but he was nails today. um gave us the opportunity to to push it to extras to get some free baseball. Cora messed with them a bunch, threw on two intentional walks. Uh, but this guy has just been money. I think his ERAs and you know the mid ones. Um, and, you know, we talk about how automatic Henley has been. We talk about how automatic other aspects of the team has been. This is a guy that does not get enough credit, in my opinion, until he's on the mound. And then we start talking about him. We start gushing over how well he's done. And, you know, the lanky right-hander that just puts guys away in all situations. I mean, Cora basically loaded the bases for him in extras and he still got out of it. Right. The, uh, the broadcast is like, Oh man, that one hurts. Like we got to go get some runs here, win this game. And you know, we couldn't move a runner over in extras, but that's a whole other thing. Um, Chris Martin has been everything we could have hoped that he could have been coming over from Los Angeles. He's been a perfect eighth inning guy. It's been a set it and forget it. And when it comes to the bullpen, that's exactly what you need. You don't want to overcomplicate it. You don't want to have to think, have to try to navigate. You just want it to be like, hey, eighth inning's him. He's got it. And then we'll we'll deal with the ninth when we get there. For me, it was Chris Martin. Start. Uh,
0: it, not much more to add. I mean, the guy's been to lecture this month. He's had a just over one ERA for the month of July. Allowed his first run against the San Francisco Giants. And then before that, the last run he allowed was back on June 6th. That's insane. So this is someone who, if you notice and you look, does not pitch back-to-back days very often. And by very often, I mean very, very seldomly. If he does, the Texas series was a weird one. He pitched an inning, then two-thirds of an inning. Um, you know, So not being expected to go really, really long. And when he pitches an inning, he's pretty much locked down. He's had months, like the whole month of May, didn't allow a run, whereas ERA was going down to just over one for the year. The guy's an absolute star. Thank you, Kike, for bringing another Dodger to this team that absolutely gets it. The guy's a gamer. I feel very confident if Chris Martin or Kenley Jensen have the ball in their hand in the eighth or ninth inning. Both of them are gamers. Both of them are ballers. And as you mentioned, Cody, it doesn't seem to matter what the scenario is for this young man Or 37 year old, I'm going to still call him young, Uh, he can handle it. He does not become a head case. He knows what he needs to do. And that is not something I can stress enough. They need to learn from this man. If these younger guys that haven't had that much experience or the ones that are trying to get reworked, listen to Chris Martin, listen to Kenley Jensen. These are guys that were pitching in the Dodger organization the Dodgers have been able to revamp one of our relievers who was awful in 2023. And he has refound himself wearing Dodger blue. There's something in that program. They just get it. And if we're lucky enough to be able to have Chris Martin share that wisdom and part down the rest of the relievers, I think you're going to see a major change for our bullpen. So I'm super pumped to see what else he can do. Uh, my stud, unless Cody had anything else to add, was Cutter Crawford. And Cutter, again, you know, this is the, we don't really know what we're going to get. We're just going to stay hopeful that Cutter can give us four or five innings of good baseball. He did not disappoint. Five and two thirds innings, one run allowed on three hits, seven strikeouts. I, I, I don't know what else to say about Cutter Crawford. I know that Uh, Terry has said on multiple occasions, we just don't know. It's very, you know, he's just not there one start he's there. And then the next start, he blows up and this start now he refound himself and it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And this was the good side of it. I'm hoping he can build on this because two of his last three appearances have gone for five plus in those two games, one run, four hits, 16 strikeouts in 11 and two thirds innings. So I hope that Cutter Crawford can continue to build and be trending in the positive side of things, because if we don't have Cutter Crawford able to go five, six innings, it's going to further tax our bullpen causing more issues, more dilemmas. And, and overall it's, it's just going to burn our bullpen out to the point where we're not going to have a chance. So super thankful that Cutter Crawford was able to come in there. Give us almost six innings of one run ball. Cody.
2: Dude's got a 386 ERA over 77 innings pitched this year. Um, you know, a guy that we thrust into a spot start early in the year, struggled, and we're like, oh no, here we go again, right? Red Sox don't have a rotation. Red Sox aren't gonna be able to fill it, figure it out, and whatever revelation he's been. Um, you know, I don't really know how much. Uh Elster is to add how, you know, many other superlatives we can throw on this guy. He has been everything we could have hoped for. He has been a season saver. I don't think we are where we are currently even though his record's only 500 without him. You know, Charlie as you mentioned, without his um, you know, without the starts, without the length that he's been going into games, this bullpen is everybody's on the IL because they've been overthrown, they've been taxed, they've been exhausted and He gives us a chance to compete. He gives us a chance for the offense to wake up and win some games. And that's all you can really ask for out of a guy that you weren't anticipating being a starter at the beginning of the season. So a magnificent performance yet again, um, a very worthy stud in my opinion. Way to go, Cutter Crawford.
0: Nick.
1: I just wanted to add on the Chris Martin thing. There was just one thing I wanted to say. He's my favorite reliever since Mike Timlin. Just the guy is just nails. Just gets the job done every single time out there. On the Cutter Crawford front, here's a guy that you really didn't know what he was going to come into for a role when the season began. He's like your Swiss Army knife. You slot him in as a starter, a middle reliever, a long reliever. Then you have all those pitchers get hurt. You know, the Whitlocks go down, Hulk goes down, Paxton was out, Chris Sale was out. And he slots himself right into that number three spot. He's your third starter right now. And he has done nothing but be magnificent. He's giving you competitive starts. He keeps you in the game. He mixes and matches its pitches the best he can. What more could you could have asked for from Cutter Crawford here? Especially for a guy that was such an unknown coming into this season. I look at him and Winkowski as two guys that have just been so important to this pitching staff. Winkowski's role, we didn't really know what he was going to do either this season. And he slotted in very nicely to be a mid-reliever, give you multiple innings, and it allows Cutter Crawford to be in that starting spot, to give you five, six. And then you can throw Winkowski behind him or Chris Martin or whatever you
0: need and get the job done. It's been awesome. So at this point where it stands, Cutter Crawford is at, the number of innings he pitched in 2022. If you want to combine 21 and 22, he pitched 79 and a third. He's at 77 right now. So very soon, Cutter Crawford with two months left of major league baseball for his third year in the bigs is going to be an uncharted territory. I know that, uh, I believe Micah was the one who used that on one of our recent shows, uncharted territory. I really like the expression, Micah. Thank you. I'm going to use it and credit you for it. Uh, I hope that Cutter Crawford can continue to build on this and not break down. Because as you mentioned, Nick, he's one of our three. If he's not there, we're in big trouble. Which adds just a little bit of further love and appreciation to one of her honorable mentions being James Paxton, who also went five innings. Did allow eight hits, only allowed one earned. uh, Struck out five. Chris Murphy, again, has been a diamond in the rough, going three and a third, allowed one run on four hits, did get a strikeout. Schreiber struck out a pair in two innings of work. And then Duran Duran. I mean, the guy just cannot do any wrong. It's him and Justin who just cannot seem to be slowed down. JT and JD, the new JD, the younger version that can run and move. Jaron Duran went four for nine, did get caught stealing once, but a pair of singles, and if I'm not mistaken, a pair of doubles, because why not, Jaron? Why not more doubles? The guy is just, honestly, I don't think I've ever been so wrong about about one or two guys this year, and I was wrong about Jaron Duran, I was wrong about Tristan Casas, and I've done my mea culpa already once. But I'm going to do it again because I think it's important to recognize when you are wrong. And in this case, I was dead wrong. But those, those four, because we didn't have them as our own studs, I think it's just as important to thank them and appreciate them and call them out for their contributions to this series and what they've done for this team this year. Any other studs that you guys want to honorably mention? Yes, Nick. It's not really a player,
1: but I do want to give props to something that was pretty cool that was done today from WEEI. So Will Fleming is one of the broadcasters that uh, calls the game on the radio. His brother Dave also is a broadcaster for the Giants. They had a little uh, like an April Fool's joke where Will and Dave broadcast an inning together and – John Miller, way back from the ESPN days for Sunday Night Baseball, is also a broadcaster from the Giants. He came in with Lou Maloney on the broadcast and kind of called it back together. I thought that was a class act, and I just want to throw my props over to them for doing something that was pretty classy. It was really
0: nicely done. Very cool. Very nice. Cody, anything else that you want to add, sir? Right on. Well, that's going to wrap it up for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and our first-time listeners who are joining us. Tonight, we want to thank all of you and appreciate all of you for spending your night, your morning with us. Everyone have a great night or a great morning. You take care.